Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Francisca Show. This is Francisca speaking, and we have Sarah Zier, a.k.a. Plony Almoni, on this episode as our guest. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Very of course. Okay, so Sarah's born in California to a South African family and yes. raised in Arizona. Okay, so Sarah began her piano studies at the age of three. Wow, you are a record beater here. She added voice and ballet classes to the mix and soon knew that she was going to be a lifelong musician. Wanting to earn a degree and teach music as a career while staying within a firm environment, Sarah began her undergraduate studies in Israel at Levinsky Teachers College and the Ron Shalomit Conservatory, where she is currently finishing up a Bachelor of Education degree in music. As a pianist, Sarah has performed in various chamber ensembles and as a soloist in America and in Israel. As a vocalist, Sarah has performed in numerous stage productions and concerts and as a soloist with numerous ensembles and orchestras, including Zmora, the professional chamber orchestra of the Ron Shalomit Conservatory. She currently enjoys teaching music and dance in several places throughout Israel and performing in musical theater productions, concerts, and other events for women only. So, wow, wow, you have a very impressive resume. So we have a huge gap of your um, childhood. Uh, and clearly yes. you have a super impressive, you know, work portfolio. Yeah. But um, we're, missing, we're missing information about you and how awesome you are. So could you just give me a little background on your family, on your life in Arizona? That sounds super interesting. Is that in Phoenix? In Scottsdale. It's like Scottsdale. a suburb of Phoenix. So your parents, do they have a musical background that they wanted you to start? Um, yeah, so my dad my dad was a musician. What kind um, of music? So I always grew up around music and playing with him and everything. And I always kind of, I saw him playing and I wanted to be just like him. So I decided that I wanted music lessons when I was really, really little. So he played mostly the trumpet. I remember him playing a bit of piano and thinking that was just the most amazing thing ever. Wow. Um, he's an, he wasn't a pianist per se, but you know, he enjoyed playing Jewish songs and things on the piano, um, you know, simple kind of chords and things. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to be just like that. Wow. Do you have siblings? I have a sister and two brothers and they're all younger than I am. I have a brother who plays a bit of guitar, and I have a younger, a younger, younger brother who is a fabulous drummer, um, but he kind of swears he'll never touch classical music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's brilliant, but um, he does, kind of does his own thing. He's not so much into classical music, even though he kind of grew up on it, kind of went his own way. So Interesting. very much into music, but differently than I am. Right, you're definitely geared more toward classical music. 
and definitely the more professional path. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes when I go home, we still play together, but it's not as much as when I was. Younger. And then you know, I kind of became this like snobby classical musician, and uh, really, I haven't noticed that all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And so the kind of, you know, late night, uh, just like playing around, you know, everybody bringing out an instrument. I became a bit of a snob when I was like a teenager. And, okay. but that was still, that was still like my best earliest memories of, of music. And that's probably really what started me off. It's just at some point that kind of. So that's very like, interesting. Do you feel like you, um, you're a little bit on your own path and you're by yourself? Because you're as far as, as, far like as with my you're, family, you're, you're you you left your family and you're you, you keep saying how you're alienating everyone as you keep going. So I just want to know <laughs> is that a lonely a lonely experience, and and what what that's like. It's not really as alienating as it sounds. One of my proudest moments in a in a in a contemporary music class that I was taking in college was when. My father told me a piece of absolutely useless um, music history, and I thought I would never, ever use it. And then the one time the teacher asked, you know, does anybody know whatever it is? I knew it. So, you uh -huh, like a trivia question. Could you share what that question was? My, fa <laughs> my father, so I don't I think we were talking, you know, talking about our classical music because that's, you know... That was my thing. We were talking about classical music and music history. And he says, you know, three Jewish composers, Berg, Weber, and Schoenberg, were all part of the second Viennese school of composition. And I was learning in the class called Music Here and Now. We were talking about 20th century music. And the teacher says, Berg, Weber, and Schoenberg, does anybody know what they were all part of? And I raised my hands very proud. And this is my moment. <laughs> The second Viennese school of composition, and she was very impressed. That is very impressive to know this. And that was like the one moment, that was like a proud moment. So I got to use my one piece of absolutely useless information. It's very useful. Uh, it gave you a boatload of confidence. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I have I have friends in, in classical music, because uh, my college, I mean, I'm basically done. I'm just doing a few classes to to finish up. Um, but I finished all of the music and everything, and doing that, it's all classical music. So all of the other girls in my program are classical musicians. All of the teachers are classical musicians, basically. So some of my best friends are professional classical musicians. So I'm not, like, I'm alienated in a way because I guess that's not, like, the mainstream, like, thing to do. I feel like anybody in classical music is always going to feel a little bit, like, outside. Um, but I'm not totally alone and I live with roommates. I don't live totally alone. And again, me and my dad still have that, like, we still have like a bit of like a music thing in common. We still talk about it sometimes. So it's not, and my brother, even though he's not in classical music, like we're still, we still totally relate as musicians. And like, it's still really cool to have like a brother who's into music and you know, sometimes he'll ask me questions about music and music theory, and my other brother also will talk about, you know. So it's Very different, cool. but it's all, you know, music is a universal language, so. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we got a little background on your 
musical family and on your differences of, you know, music of choice. Um, So I'd like to hear more about what your day-to-day is, like what you're busy with, what the projects you're doing are, um, what the competition's like. Okay, so let's start with that. So I kind of, this is sort of the music teacher's life, unless you get a job at a school, which has a lot, a lot of hours to give a music teacher, which is quite rare. Usually if a school is hiring a music teacher, it's only for a few hours every week. So most music teachers that I know, myself included, work in several different places. Um, You get a few hours here, a few hours there, and you're always running around from place to place, which keeps life very interesting. I teach in the Montreal Conservatory in Harnoff. I teach piano there, private lessons in the conservatory. Mm -hmm. And then I go to Tel Aviv once a week, and I teach music for little children in groups. They call it the Hebrew Conservatory. It's like an after-school music school. Mm-hmm. And then I teach once a week ballet, an after-school program. And it's in Yerushalayim in a neighborhood called Harchoma, which is, is quite... It actually takes me longer to get there than it does to get to Tel Aviv from where yeah. I live in Yerushalayim. But it's in Yerushalayim. I'm actually rehearsing for um, in a musical production of Fiddler on the Roof. With women in theater and Modi'in. Very cool. So very excited about that. Shows are in January. So you have show. how many shows are you gonna have? I'm gonna have four shows: two in Modi'in, one in Yerushalayim, and one in Ranana. I'm playing Hazel. I'm acting. I'm I mean, singing. it's acting, singing, dancing. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's I'm very playing cool. the puddle. So come see Sarah perform in January. Okay, so. Um, okay, so you probably teach different types. So do you teach Jewish kids and people? Jewish, students? yes. Everyone's Jewish. Jewish. So I don't, I'm assuming they're all different types of Jews. <laughs> Can I assume that? Yes. Can yes. you tell me what it's like teaching different types of Jews and how that impacts um, their their environment, their musical environment? So right. seeing the same level of talent across a spectrum of different religious backgrounds. What right. what are your thoughts and uh, observations? The place I teach in Harnos, they're all pretty orthodox girls there, like girls who go to Beis Yaakov type schools. Um, and then in the conservatory that I, the after school program that I teach in in Tel Aviv, the kids are mostly not religious, but they're very very little kids. So they're not necessarily kind of like weeded out into these programs. They're more, they're just really little kids, like two, three, four, oh, five, six-year-olds. They're just getting like outside developmental yeah. and activities. I definitely, I, I, I do see kids from different types of homes, even within like, 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 like one sort of sect. You have kids who come from different kinds of homes, kids who have different sort of backgrounds. Um, kids who might have different sort of goals in life. Um, like the, the place I teach ballet is also like a different sort of, of type of school. The kids are coming from a different type of background. Um, so give me examples. I think, I think, um, I think it's also a different sort of a goal. Like I also, uh, my parents and where the kids are coming from, different types of things. Also I'm teaching classical music, so that's already a bit different you have kids coming from ultra-orthodox homes a lot of them haven't 
necessarily been exposed to classical music. Or even kids who come from non-religious homes, a lot of them haven't really been exposed to classical music. Um, so, so that's kind of different. Um, but I just kind of see, like, even when I go in and teach completely secular kids, um, I'm just the music teacher. I feel like it's kind of a, a language that can sort of bridge gaps between people. So I come into a class, I'm teaching... Um, I'm teaching non-religious kids, non-religious parents are sitting there, and I feel like it's sort of like a bridge that kind of closes gaps between people we don't have to talk about. Automatically, we have something in common to talk about, which is why their children are there. Right. Um, so, so you're saying music you know, is a true. common language, and it doesn't matter who you're working with. It's the same process. It's the same challenges. Exactly. It's exactly the same process. It's the same challenges. It's the same. I mean, it might ha you might have a different background. You might be coming from a different place, but the actual process is identical. Um, and I see myself as the teacher coming into different to different types of schools and different types of kids and different types of places. You know, people might ask me questions or or want to know certain things, you know, aside from music. But as far as we're talking about the actual process of, of teaching and, and, and learning music, I find it to be pretty universal. What I really want to know is, okay, how steep is the competition? Uh, meaning how hard is it for you to get gigs like that? Teaching gigs or performing? Both. Let's start with teaching because we're already talking about it. Uh, um... The competition, um, it's not, it doesn't, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel too bothered by it. It doesn't really, it's not really something on my radar. I think, you know, I always have to dive in for Parnassa, like, in any career. You know, in Yom Kippur, I dive in for Parnassa, just like everybody else. That Hashem should give me the right work, that I should find myself in the right place to give what I have to the right people. You know, there's sometimes places who are looking Dafka for a teacher who's not going to teach classical music, who's going to teach, you know, pop or rock or something else. So obviously that's not going to be me. So automatically, you know, there are some there are some places who are looking for you know, a classically trained teacher and, you know, someone who's got that kind of training and experience and stuff. So I know that that's kind of my route. And then the places who, I know there's a lot of places who aren't going to appreciate me and places that I'm probably not going to enjoy working because that's just not me. That's not what I have to offer and that's not Okay, so I like am what right you now, said, so. what's not you, what is you. So you, what do you like more, teaching or performing? Um, I, find, I don't know. I think it's two, it's two separate things. You know, I, I don't see one as more important than the other or but the one that I'd rather little... do and the other I'd rather not. Um, when when you, know, you were a little day... girl. Sorry? When you were a little girl, what, what did you want? What was your dream? Did you want to teach or perform? I don't, I think I wanted to perform when I was a little girl, although I had crazy bad stage fright. <laughs> I don't think I really knew honestly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a musician, but I'm not sure I'm not sure that I knew, I knew I wanted to study music, I knew that I wanted music to be my life, but I I don't think that I could say that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So since you're such an expert in so many different fields, opera, ballet, piano, how how old do you need to be to start studying and learning opera? Like if 
if someone wanted to hire you, what was what would the youngest age you would want to work with? So when I'm when I'm training um, kids who want you know a solid foundation in, in classical technique, I generally wouldn't take any students younger than about fifteen or so, give or take. Just just as far as like the physical maturity is concerned, younger kids can learn you know, the basics of breathing and, and, you know, healthy voice use. But as far as somebody who really wants to learn classical singing um, and to sing and to sing classical repertoire, I would say, you know, mid-teens. And, and does that apply to piano as well? Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> piano, I would say, it's depending on the kid, very much depending on the kid. I usually say somewhere around first grade is a good time to start. I just say voice, I, I would start later. Um, some very good teachers who will take younger um, I just feel like um, as far as the physical maturity is concerned, to be able to sing, you know, classical music, you need to just physically be a bit more mature. But piano, I'm happy to start with kids as young as six or seven. Okay, so that I pretty much agree with you on that. <laughs> just put it that way. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you more about your favorite your favorite pieces you like to perform play or sing or dance um i would say my favorite my favorite dance pieces to have performed um and also my favorite ones to watch other perform are probably from sleeping beauty um i love tchaikovsky's music oh, I and i love the choreography pretty much can't go wrong with mozart i'm usually in the mood for mozart Usually always. So you're always happy to play Mozart? Or... Always. Amazing. Always happy to sing Mozart, always happy to play Mozart. What's your favorite piece? And then you know them by heart, or you know some of the pieces. Oh, that's hard. That's not fair. So then you just open them up. You just feel like playing it, you open up that piece of music, and you start playing it. For a concert? No, for yourself. Oh, for myself, yeah. And how often does that happen? It varied over the course of my lifetime. Right now, I find myself kind of, you know, in the conservatory waiting for students or between students, and I have a piano or or whatever it is. It probably happens about maybe once a week or so. Break out some Mozart. That's really nice. Do you record yourself playing or singing? Um, I actually have never gone to a studio to record anything, ever. Is that something you would like to do? Yeah, I would definitely, it's definitely something I'd be interested in doing, definitely something I would like to do, just something that I haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. um, I have my college audition <laughs> recorded. I didn't go to a studio for that. I had, I actually went to, with my teacher, to this beautiful piano, it's, at, it's like a warehouse, where they have the most beautiful pianos I think I've ever played. And um, we had someone there with some sound equipment and a camera. And I recorded those. I have recordings of my senior recital. I have different recordings from different things that I've done, different concerts and things, but I've never recorded in a studio for the purpose of recording, which is definitely something that I would like to do at some point, hopefully in the near future. I hope for you that too. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'd like to ask you about, and I heard you also taught in in a camp, in a music, in a 
Arts yeah. Camp. I taught in a very special place that we called his more at Shoshana. And Where's it's based camp? out of Maryland. Yay, Maryland. I knew that. I just wanted <laughs> the audience to hear. <laughs> um, so tell me more about that camp. And it was a very special place for me, and I know a lot of other girls also. And to this day, my best friends are from there. Um, it's basically a place where girls who are super artistic but don't necessarily have a lot of friends or know a lot of people who have similar interests as them. Um, and usually for these type of girls, like myself, it's a bit more than an interest. Um, and people, you know, sometimes feel like they're a bit different because of their art or that people don't understand them. So all these girls somehow find their way to this place. And we have, um, we have the musicians, we have the dancers, we have the girls who enjoy visual arts and everybody has their, their art and basically this is not a camp for girls who want to play sports and go swimming all day. We basically would play music. I was with the musicians. We would play chamber ensembles, and we would sing in three-part harmony, and we would basically practice and practice all day long. We, I think we went swimming maybe twice a week. So you were there as a but camper that, or as a counselor? I came as a camper. I came as a counselor. I came as... A counselor who was also sort of coaching girls in piano and filling in, teaching different things, ballet classes, different things. I came as a voice teacher for one year. Very nice. Okay, so so this has been a crucial part of your life because you've gotten a lot of networking and like-minded crucial women part of my life to be part of your life. Amazing. Yeah, um, that was a big turning point in my life when I started going there, actually. So could you share more about that turning point? I think because I grew up in such a small place, I had four girls in my class in high school. Wow. I had no other friends in music. Like, I was always a bit different because I was, you know, practicing all afternoon. Nobody kind of knew what I did. <laughs> Nobody kind of, I guess, appreciated who I was and what I did and I felt really lonely and when I found this place all of a sudden I, I met all of these girls who who became my best friends who were exactly the same as me who'd felt all the same things as me who'd experienced the same things as me who wanted nothing better than to sit and play quartets all day and we had the best time together we would be up singing all night off the page, you know, few part harmony. We would just sight read. We would sit around and, and, and just play music all day and all night. And we were so happy to do that. And finally, I'd found people who were just as passionate as me and found people who really could understand me and appreciate that part of me. And that was a really big thing for me to see that there were other girls who were, who were religious also, who had grown up religious, who had this part of them also which I didn't know existed until I met the people there. So it opened so. your world up to people in your world. Yes, definitely. So so speaking of women and girls and having those same religious challenges, so you, since you have so many different 
uh, talents. How would you say um, being a, from woman impacted each one? I'm sure it's it's easier with the pianist side of you to yeah, definitely to, to perform, right? Is that is that yeah. your most successful <laughs> this is successful part of your of your my career of your career? <laughs> no, as, there you go. <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, it definitely was easier. Um, so because I kids. didn't really have so many opportunities to perform for women only because there was nobody else. <laughs> okay. So like there was nobody, there was not really that many places for me to perform. There wasn't really, I didn't really have an audience and I didn't know anybody else who was into these things. So I, um, I volunteered, you know, in the elementary schools and I helped with the choirs and I, did those type of things, but I never got to really, I guess, show what I could do or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it, to be able to perform whatever it was that I was learning, let's say in my lessons or whatever. I never, ever got to perform anything except in piano. I would come to my teacher's recitals, the ones that were not on Shabbos. I would go and perform there. So Shabbos is so that was, issue. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the concerts were on Shabbos but the ones that were not the piano recitals I would plan um um yeah so it's as a kid even as far as training you know I would go to ballet class and all of a sudden like a man would show up unannounced and I would have to go home and it was really hard and like I had voice lessons I never I never sang really anywhere outside my teacher's house Wow. Until I was until I was a lot older. Okay, so what now, happened? Right, when you got sorry? older. What is it like now? Now that I'm in Israel, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot more opportunities. There's a lot more there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more people. There's a lot more of an audience for different types of things. Um I guess I also just in college, I got to perform in, in classical music concerts. I got to sing with a couple of different orchestras and perform for hundreds of women. And it was just something that I never thought I would get to do, I guess. And it was really a life-changing type of thing for me that I got to, I got to dance on stage. I got to, I got to play in all sorts of piano ensembles. I got to, basically I, I got here, I was, you know, I kind of got into the classical music scene here and I, all of a sudden basically had no boundaries because everything was for women only. You have an opportunity now to just give a glimpse of what classical music, what class, the world of classical um, art is. And if, if you were able to, you know, if you had a chance to tell people, this wow. is why you should appreciate it and this is why it's so amazing. Um, wow. <laughs> use this opportunity. Tell us, tell us what, what, what what the people what am i missing out on if i if i if i'm not exposed to it or if i'm not appreciating first of all no judgments <laughs> nobody has to enjoy it nobody has to like it everybody has their own musical tastes everybody has what they appreciate and what they enjoy that's just start off um i guess i I would want to sort of describe what I see in it, why I enjoy it so much, and what I hope that that other people who who see me perform um, would gain from from exposure if that's their first time being exposed to classical music, if it's something that they don't really um, 
something that they haven't really experienced before. Um, I see it as something that's very, that is just kind of all around beautiful, but not just in the way that it sounds. Something that is sort of, I don't want to say complete because nothing's ever complete, but something that is striving to be as perfect as it possibly can. To be kind of aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. in the kind of purest form of just of just objective beauty. So it's not just the way it sounds, it's the way it makes you feel. It's the colors. A lot of times when we're when we're talking about classical music, we talk about colors, as if you can see it, as if we're painting with sound. And and what that makes you feel and what it makes you imagine when you're listening to it. So it's kind of an all-around experience. It's not just it's not just beautiful sounds it's not just one note after another amazing so okay so I would like to wrap up what what is your vision and your dream do you feel like you're already living it or is there more that you want out of your career and what does that look like that's a good question I feel like I think I'm still kind of I still I, I guess I feel like I'm sort of in the process still like, I'm kind of building myself, I'm getting experience, I'm, I'm teaching different sorts of things, you know, I teach, you know, I'm doing some music theory, music history. I think that I would like to perform more. Um, I think I would like to kind of reach out to audiences who would really like to get to know classical music and to appreciate it um, a bit more. I think that that's something that I would really enjoy doing and have enjoyed doing um, in the past, when I've had, when I've had opportunities to do that, um, with the Shem there. Sorry. What do you need to get to where you want to go? I don't know. I feel like I'm. I, I'm really happy with with the kind of trajectory that I've been on. Um, I feel like I'm in the right place, doing the right things. Um, and honestly, I don't know what my end goal is. I can't say, you know, this is where I am right now. This is where I'd like to be. And what do I have to do to get there? I feel like I'm, I'm kind of on the right path, kind of on the right trajectory to getting where it is that I'm going to want to be. I'm not sure exactly what, what ultimately, you know, after 120, I'd say, you know, this is really what I was supposed to be doing and really what is going to be the best for Claudia Israel and the best for me. But um, for right now, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing and kind of exploring and, and seeing where it all takes me. Wow. Well, we wish you, on behalf of the Francisca Show, we wish you lots of success. <laughs> Thank you so much for your, for your service in terms of educating you know, the Jewish women and girls, giving them, you know, a proper education with, you know, the proper classical foundation anyone needs to be a proper musician. Not that anyone else is not proper, but this is a proper (laughs) education. We all have to agree on that. And um, you need super disciplined and passionate people like you to really preserve that foundation so thank you for continuing the chain and making it available for from girls and women to learn from someone who well, clearly aligns their values w- with their passion for music together with their so passion sweet. for keeping Torah. And it's, thank you so it's much for having me. Way, so thank you for being on our show. 
keep doing what you're yeah. doing. And, uh, <laughs> and I can't wait to see you perform. Thank you.